Tonight, my message is entitled, How to Fight a Demon. No, no, this is not about, this is not a marriage uh, message, no. Um, how to fight a demon. A uh, little bit of a heavier topic. Not the most fun to preach on. Why the heck would we talk about this? It's a topic that I've often avoided. Growing up in the 90s, um, I remember having friends, uh, parents who over-spiritualized everything and quite frankly, just terrified us. Um, that was when the Left Behind series was out as well, um, which was just a bunch of bad theology wrapped into some uh, movies. And, and uh, so anyways, uh, friends, parents kind of would think that there was a demon under every single rock. And so anytime something new came out, they would s somehow find a way. By the way, can you guys put my countdown on or else uh, everybody's going to fall asleep? And uh, yeah, well, I'll talk too long. Okay, um, but having friends, parents who thought, you know, when Pokemon came out, they're like, oh, those are demons. All the Pokemon are demons. We're not, we're not into Pokemon. Harry Potter came out. Oh, that's demonic. We're not allowed to watch Harry Potter. Um, you go to their house and, and they wouldn't celebrate Halloween. It was like Halloween was a time to lock yourself in the basement and watch McGee and me with your parents. Um, McGee and me is this old Sunday school curriculum. And thank you for those who laughed at that. You are my people. Um, they would find ways that certain Disney movies were demonic. They would say The Simpsons is demonic. Um, you just hear all these things. They'd always find a reason uh, to see things as demonic. And it, quite frankly, the, the position that it made me feel like was that demons and Satan are this big enemy that I have no power over. I just have to avoid him like driving through pylons. And there was this thinking often by these folks that we could passively live out our lives and all of a sudden we would get possessed by a demon out of nowhere. And what happens is people get concerned about the demonic and it builds up a fear in you that you should not have. This is how the enemy works. He gets you focused on what's gonna happen to me. What's going to happen to me if? What's, what's going to happen to me if, if, if this and that? It's not just about demonic, but it's always, that's how he works with fear. It's always about what's going to happen to me. And what happens is um, he builds up this fear in us that we shouldn't have. The enemy works on, on just getting you focused on that. And he gets you so afraid of this or that, that you don't even consider how big your God is or what your actions are doing to other people. And, and that's what I saw happen in my childhood with certain friends, parents, is that they didn't realize that their actions were building this unhealthy fear in us as children. The enemy wants fear to be your primary focus. The most common way the enemy controls people is by fear. So if you've come to us from another church, um, maybe you're, you're just in the midst of leaving that church, welcome. We're so glad that you're here. First of all, don't tell us which church you came from, because if you say bad stuff about them, we don't want to develop that in our hearts. And we'll forgive you for that, but we, we don't want to develop an attitude about other churches here. But second off, what, happened is, what happens is that what the enemy will do is any bad experience we go, and it's not just from other churches, but it's from anywhere. If you have a bad experience with a leader, what the enemy will do is he'll make you think that all leaders are abusive and manipulative, and then you will not put yourself under any, other, any leadership, and then your life gets stuck because no one's leading you. I know that happens because it's happened to me. Fear will freeze you. It'll also develop pride in you that all leaders are terrible, manipulative people. Having a spirit of fear can be demonic. There's some healthy fears out there, but having a spirit of fear can be a demonic thing. This is how he operates. He puts fear in your heart and then he feeds it. And so renewing the mind is how we close the door to the devil. And it's important to note that not everything demonic, not just because something demonic happened in your life, it doesn't mean you need a full-on deliverance, okay? Has anyone ever watched like deliverance YouTube stuff where people are puking in buckets and shaking? And, and I, quite frankly, that does happen. I, I have friends who've done ministry uh, with that happening and it's real, but sometimes people learn and act and they think they have to act a certain way for an or a certain thing to happen in church. Like they, they, they almost learned a behavior from, some, some, from somebody else and sometimes stuff 
gets into Christianity and makes it weird like that because we're just trying to copy what somebody else is doing without any context of what's actually going on. But anyways, coming back to it, just because something demonic happens, it doesn't mean we need a full-on deliverance. Often, people will start to explore the topic of the demonic and become almost obsessed with it. And now, they become so obsessed that everywhere they look, they find something demonic. And what happens is when you have a hammer, every problem is a nail. And then you have this dysfunctional deliverance ministry. We need to be careful of certain things, but it doesn't mean that everything that's remotely magic or worldly is demonic. In fact, it was funny because I often heard how Harry Potter is so demonic. And then I felt so stupid when I'm watching this YouTube video of, what's the lady's name? J.K. Rowling's explaining how she's a Christian and she wrote the whole series based on the Bible and it's all just parallels in there or anyways, it's kind of silly. Um, But where people, anyways, uh, I won't get into the whole Harry Potter thing. That's not a road I wanted to travel. C.S. Lewis starts his incredible, incredible book, The Screwtape Letters, which if you haven't read, you will devour this book. I think I read this book the fastest I've read any book. It is an incredible book on how the devil and his demons work. And it's just an excellent piece of literature. If you're going to read one book this year, I would say read Screwtape Letters. But he starts the book with this line. He says, there are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence. The other is to believe and to feel an unhealthy, excessive interest in them. They themselves are equally pleased by both errors and hail a materialist or a magician with the same delight. So we cannot be too dismissive. That's how we let our guard down. You need a reliance on the Holy Spirit. You need to understand that you have the Holy Spirit in you and that you can fight all these things. And so we cannot be too dismissive, but not everything is evil. Not every stupid thing you do will open, will open the door to, the, to a demon. So here's like, what, what do we need to do from here? How do we process this? Which I'm already so behind in my time, so forgive me if I'm gonna talk a little bit quicker. I wanna get to the actual preaching and the fun part of this message, uh, but I, I wanted to give some kind of base work for it first. So why do we need to know about demons? Because we need to know the tactics of the enemy in order to properly exercise authority over them. So we're in spiritual warfare, this is real, but you need a strategy in spiritual warfare. You need to know how does the enemy work Now I can easily shut down how he's trying to attack me. In 2 Corinthians 2.11, it says, so that we would not be outwitted by Satan for we are not ignorant of his designs. A lot of translations say schemes there. Um, Paul's talking about forgiveness here and certainly uh, the devil works through unforgiveness. Um, But we need to know how Satan works so that we're not outwitted by him. So let's start with who exactly are demons? Okay, we, like what exactly is a demon? Is it Ursula? Like, is that what demons are uh, from under the sea, uh, Little Mermaid? The, big, the Baker Encyclopedia of the Bible says this, demons are fallen angels, divinely created supernatural beings who are under the leadership of Satan. Demons are created beings. They're personal, immortal, and incapable of reconciliation with God. Okay, so you're not gonna get your demon saved. All right? You're not going to be able to pray over it in an altar call at the end of a sermon. You're not going to be able to flirt to convert with your demon, okay? Like, there's no saving them. They're, they're the enemy. We want them gone. Um, they have great power as compared with humans, but very little power as compared with God. So God has given us authority over demons so that in the name of Jesus, they must obey God's people just as they must obey God himself. So understand that you're not some pathetic little Christian that can't do anything about the demonic, that you have all the power that God has over demons. That when there's anything demonic that comes, you know, in your realm, you are full of the Holy Spirit and you have power over it. Now, demons don't have bodies. They're not some, you know, big thing. They have personalities, almost like Ursula's little things that follow her around, those little gray things. You know what I'm talking about? Um, Eels? Are those eels? Okay, they're not eels. Sorry, I didn't realize those were eels. They look like like gray sperm to me. I don't know. 
But anyways, their personalities. You guys just needed to loosen up a little. Okay. They're spirits that may be identified by their specific role or function, such as the spirit of murder, spirit of suicide, lust, depression, fear, lying, and associating them uh, with various sins contrary to God. Okay, so the kinds of things that the Bible lists under works of flesh in Galatians, that's what, the, that's, that's what would represent a demon. So in Galatians 5, um, it says, now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, like uh, promiscuity, other versions say debauchery, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, um, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warned you as I've warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So something important to note here is that you can, you can open the door to the demonic, um, to demonic activity in your life by having sex with someone. And I think that sometimes, especially in our culture, we're kind of like, what's the big deal? And the reality of it is, is that there's people walking around that do have stuff happening in their life and you can open a door to that by having sex with someone. The English word demon comes from the Greek word daemon, which essentially means a divinity or a deity. Any deity other than the one true God is uh, a spirit opposed to him. Therefore, such a spirit is an evil spirit or demonic. In 1 Corinthians 10, 20, it says, no, I imply you uh, what pagans sacrifice they offer to demons and not to God. So they're talking about pagans for a second. And uh, I do not want you to participate with demons. This is what Paul's writing to the Corinthians. So, and this might sound a little bit offensive, and we're Canadians and we're supposed to be loving of everything and everyone and whatever, but we can conclude that all other religions are not just incorrect, they're demonic and open a door to the enemy. So I'm not telling you that to alienate you. I'm saying, or to alienate people in your life and say, okay, no more with them or, or them. No, that's the opposite of what you want to do. You just want to be aware of what you're dealing with when you're dealing with people from other religions, religions that do not worship God. And being Baptist is not a different religion, guys, okay? <laughs> okay. <clears throat> so it's just something to keep in mind. Just because someone believes Jesus existed, it doesn't mean they recognize him as Lord. Now, this is a sneaky lie from the enemy because he knows that um, if you really do your research, there is tons of proof that Jesus existed. And so he has to find other ways to work and uh, a new religion that would believe in Jesus but not believe he's Lord. That's a great way to deceive people and ultimately pull them off God's plan for their life. Anything we consult other than God is an open door for a demon. And so horoscopes might seem like, oh, they're just this fun, cute little thing. But the reality of it is, is that people are trying to consult the stars. So they're trying to consult some other form of creation and not God as to how their life is to go. So here's what demons are not. Often because demons are supernatural, we assign similar attributes to them that God has. Just because we kind of put them in the same lane as God. God is supernatural and so are demons. And so we kind of give them an unfair advantage or um, unfair credit that they don't deserve. But the reality of it is, is that this is not a fair fight. The spiritual warfare that we're in is not a fair fight whatsoever. This is not Star Wars where we just have different color lightsabers, but the lightsabers work the same. That's not what's going on here. This is not a fair fight. We give demons way more credit than they deserve. We draw parallel, parallels between them and God that, quite frankly, they just don't deserve. Satan is not omnipresent. He can't go wherever he wants like God can. He's not everywhere you go just like God is. Satan's not even that smart. I mean, he got himself kicked out of heaven. What an idiot. I don't actually think the devil is stalking you either. I think because he's not omnipresent, he just has too much work to do. 
So here's what demons do. The Bible says they're fallen angels. So the, again, Baker Encyclopedia of the Bible says angels were created to worship and praise God and serve him and act as his messengers. And the Bible states that angels are ministering spirits sent forth um, to serve for the sake of those who are to obtain salvation. So a fallen angel, we would just flip that definition over. So fallen angels have a similar function. They just have a different master. Their allegiance is to the devil whom they serve out of fear and delusion. Okay, they're not his buddy. They don't love him. They're afraid of him, which is why they serve him. Notice the devil uses fear to control demons, just like he uses fear um, to have his way in us. They're not buddies with Satan. They're slaves to Satan and they have a common enemy, which is God. They oppose you because they're threatened by God in you. Okay, they're not threatened by your personality. They're not threatened by your Tesla. They're not threatened by how many square feet your house is. They are threatened by the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you. So you need to realize how powerful it is to having the Holy Spirit inside of you. They tempt, they deceive, they delude people so as to bring them to eternal damnation. In opposing God, they attack, oppress, and hinder, and accuse the people of God. And one of the ways they often operate is through dreams. Dreams often accompany demons. Now, sometimes it's just our wild imagination. Sometimes it's that we had too many pickles before bed, okay? Now, it's not always a demon. But if you're having repeated dark dreams, this could be a sign of demonic oppression. My firsthand experience with this was um, in, our, in our old house, before we had kids, my wife and I, uh, we were sleeping one night and I just wake up to her basically screaming. And as I wake up, she's in the middle of flying off of our bed. She hit our night table so hard that it broke. Her iPad went flying, it broke. Our dog ran out of the room and it was hiding under our, our I had to go find it. It was hiding under our, our TV stand. And uh, it, she was just having this wildly vivid dream that she was being chased. And so it was so vivid and so clear that she actually, while she was still asleep, tried to move away from what was chasing her, which she ended up like so powerfully launching herself off the bed and breaking this. And it was a, it was a very scary moment. And I, I just remember like, I remember not really knowing what to do, but just feeling like the Holy Spirit was just like, pray. And so in that moment, I just, I prayed. I think we prayed for just a couple minutes and you went back to sleep. Everything was all good and it never happened again. That's the power of prayer. You have to realize the authority that you have, that there was clearly something you've never had a dream like that before uh, that night and after that night, but it was so vivid that you actually, in your sleep, tried to move yourself away from what was chasing you. Now, um, how do these demons find their way into our lives? Sin and darkness often open us up to demonic attack. This is often how it happens. And I think one of the ways the enemy tries to work is that he wants us to feel ashamed. I think I'm getting ahead of myself, but it is that he wants to, us to feel ashamed so that we won't open up about what's actually happening in our lives so that we can't deal with the repetitive uh, sin that's going on or the darkness or, or whatever it is. Um, and, and so that, that's one of the ways he, he keeps us um, from letting other people in is that we're, we're, again, fear. We're afraid of what people will think of us. And so we wanna keep it to ourselves. We don't wanna allow anyone into that fight, but I'm getting ahead of myself. So repetitive, unrepented sin opens the door for demonic attack. Demons work by lying, deceit, oppression. And when the opportunity arises, they enter the body of a person. This is yet another reason why the church community is so important. And as much as we love online, we would love for you to be with us as much as possible with community because community helps you, grows you, builds you, builds you, calls you out, Get people around you who you can talk to about how you're feeling and what you've been struggling with. Men in particular have issues with this. Sorry, guys. I know what we struggle with more, so I get to call us out more. Um, but we don't want anyone to know that our lives aren't perfect. We don't want anyone to know what's behind the surface, what's really going on. This is why we need to open up 
and deal with what's happening in our lives. Now, before we, we move on with the second half of this message, I just want to give you a, a disclaimer because I've seen this happen before and I'm sure I'll see it happen again. People will use demons to hide behind instead of getting their life in order. So they'll say things like, oh, this is, uh, this is a good message. I think that porno demon got a hold of me. And so instead of dealing with the bad habits or the, the sin that easily entangles us, we just want to blame a demon. Oh, just cast the porno demon out of me. Everything will be fine. Life will go back to normal. No, if you don't set up systems and structures and accountability and actually have a desire to be holy, is, the porno demon is going to get you again, my friend. Or let's, I, I'll pick on women a little bit so it's not all the men getting in trouble. Uh, oh, that shopping demon got me in debt. No. Again, we need systems. We need to, if we just blame demons for everything that's wrong with us, it holds us back in our progress in life. And unfortunately, this is what, again, something we've seen over time is that people will just kind of use the demonic as an excuse or a cop-out of, oh yeah, it was just a demon and whatever, let's just cast it out and life will go back to normal. Okay, um, that's just my disclaimer. So it's our job to build healthy habits and lifestyles as well as ensure that there's not demonic activity happening in our lives. So there's three ways that demons impact people. The first way is oppression. Is this Okay. Okay, all right. Jazz Deep, I wasn't sure. Jazz Deep was giving me a glare in the front row, and I was like, this is Jazz Deep, everybody. He's a nice guy. Um, three ways demons impact people. Number one is uh, oppression. So this is an external temptation. So this happens to everybody. So it's not an indwelling of a demon. Um, it could be some kind of temptation or almost feeling like a pressure or feeling like an uneasy feeling or darkness. So this can happen to everybody. So it can, when somebody else is possessed, um, you can almost feel that on you sometimes. If you, again, if your guard isn't up for it, um, it can happen by um, a demon being in, uh, like dwelling almost in a, in a building. You can feel oppression in, in that sense. That's why whenever you buy a new house, uh, I would encourage you before the family comes in, you go in, anoint the, the doors with oil, you pray over the thing, um, and the only experience I have actually visibly seeing a demon, it went out through a physical door. Um, and so we, we would assume uh, that demons could kind of just go through whatever walls and everything. My only one experience I've seen actually seeing one, it went through a door. And so I would encourage you anytime, you don't know what the, the people before you were doing in that house. You don't know what was happening in that house before you go in there pray over that thing, cast anything out. Even if you're doing nothing, at least God's just laughing at you. Look at this guy, he's casting nothing out of the house. It's hilarious. Um, and it'll be funny. Okay. So um, there's oppression and then there's possession. So possession would be ownership. This is some form of invitation. So uh, somehow a demon was invited into someone and it has some form of control. And so this often happens through witchcraft which we might not see as much witchcraft in our area of the world, um, but it can also happen by someone along a family line um, having a, uh, a demon possess them and then pass it on to their children and their children and their children and their children, and somebody has to break that line. And so I've, I've had um, a, a pastor tell me about casting a demon out of a possessed person, and the demon actually spoke through the person, changed their voice, and told them, I've been in this family for a thousand generations. Um, and so, um, or a thousand years, I think they said. Um, and, and so, it, yeah, there's possession, which is ownership. And, and this is very, in our area of the world, this is very rare. We don't see this as, as much. Um, so you can see reoccurring problems in a family, like sickness, poverty, crime. And there's a possibility that, again, possession has been passed down from one generation to the next. Um, and this is, again, a reason that it's incredible for us as believers to not just treat this as our fun social club where we come and see our friends, but to bring people who are far from God into the house of the Lord. Because this, it's beautiful what happens here. And it's incredible to see how when we bring, we can actually bring someone in and break generational things in their life. Well, Jesus does that, but we, they, they need someone to bring them there. 
right? And without the, without the musicians, we wouldn't have had a song to worship to tonight. And without you as the evangelist, your friend is not gonna hopefully stumble across Jesus in their Facebook feed. You're in their life for that reason, to be the musician, to play the song that God has given you. Like, you know, figuratively that your life plays a song for them and you can invite them to come and be a part of this too. And, and, and so that's why we encourage every single week invite people to church. We're all about bringing people to church because it's not just that they're gonna get saved, but you can actually break things and cast things out of their life through that salvation where the Holy Spirit comes in and all the nastiness goes out and their life can be changed forever and a family, a last name, and a generation can be changed forever. Okay, so we have um, oppression, we have possession, and finally, demonization. Demonization um, is when you're tormented or you have something internal, but it's not necessarily in control like possession would be. So we would see this a lot more common in our area of the world um, as opposed to possession. Mind you, possession happens here as well. It's just not as common. Demonization um, happens often through dreams, visions. Um, It can come into your life from worshiping another God. It can come into your life besides our God, the one true God. Um, it can come into your life through sexual encounters. Um, it can be brought into your home um, through tarot cards, through Ouija boards, through going to a psychic. Um, it's around, it's in you, but it doesn't control you. And actually sickness can be demonic in nature. And there's a few examples of this in the Bible. Luke 13, uh, there's a woman that... Um, Jesus basically casts a demon out of her when she, she can't stand up. I, I think it's Luke 13. I didn't have this in my notes, but that Jesus, they're, they're like, she needs to be healed. He casts a demon out of her. She stands up. And, and uh, that can happen through demonization or possession. So in Acts chapter 10, 38, um, how it says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit, with power, how he went on doing good and healing all who are under the tyranny of the devil. So notice that, um, the word healing there. So that he's not, they're not saying cast out. They're not saying like, you know, whatever. They're saying it was an actual healing that happened. So there's a sickness and there's a healing that happened that Jesus cast it out because God was with, us, with him. So sickness can come uh, from the fallen world, but also can be demonic at times. So not every sickness um, is uh, a demon. We can't just... Be like, okay, COVID-19, I'm just going to cast you out and everything's going to be all good. Um, so how do we fight a demon? Well, the blood of Jesus beats every demon. You can proclaim the blood of Jesus and demons have to leave. Jesus conquered these beings so long ago. Uh, and I used to be a little bit uncomfortable about singing about the blood of Jesus. It's like, oh, I don't want to bring my friends to church when we're like, the blood the blood. Like, no, what? But just that word is so powerful. And actually you can feel it in church when we sing about the blood of Jesus. You can actually feel the room change. And and it's Revelations uh, 12, 11 says, they triumphed over him by the blood of the lamb. By the blood of the lamb. So demons do not like to hear about the blood of Jesus. They actually become agitated by the mention of the blood of Jesus. And so when you sing songs about it, you can feel that power because demonic things are like, I can't be around this right now. When we declare it over something or someone, it's us as Christians defeating Satan through the power of Jesus. Demons cannot handle the presence of the Holy Spirit. And it's one of the reasons church is so great. And it's something that, Again, sorry to bully the people online, but it's something that you need to get here for to be a part of. Because when you're in the room, and not that the presence, the presence can be with you at home too, but when you're here seeing it happen with other believers, there's just a powerful thing that takes place. It's actually a faith-building thing. When I look around the room and I know that there's people from this background or people that you know have maybe been struggling with their faith or people that you know I, I got saved here and I know their story, it's like so powerful and it actually builds your faith to see people who were far from God overcoming the things in their life and the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit is in the room. Okay. Sweet. You can clap so I can drink. 
All right. Luke chapter 10, 17, 17 to 20. The, 17, uh, the 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over the power of the enemy and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. So these guys are pumped. They're realizing the power we have because of Jesus. He's saying, look at the power you have. Spirits are subject to you. And, uh, and Jesus affirms what they're saying. And he says, yeah, Satan, he, he had power, but it was broken and now we have authority over him. Something to note about this verse is that snakes and scorpions are not just disgusting, but they're symbols of spiritual wickedness. If you like snakes and scorpions, I'm sorry. <laughs> Jesus, but then Jesus tells him, don't rejoice just in the power that God's given you, which is great power, by the way. Rejoice in the personal connection we have with the Father. Don't just love God for what he gives us. Isn't that the most Western thing that we do? Oh, I love God because he gives me prosperity. You know, I love God because, you know, whatever. We're, we, we often become so in love with God because of what he can do for us. We got to love him for who he is. And this is what Jesus is correcting here. I, I love songs that are almost correctional in, 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 a, in a way. I, I love that song, Worthy of It All. Because it's just, it's, it's not about, man, you're worthy of it all, for from you all things, and to you all things, you deserve the glory. It, it's so good. It's like, yeah, like, it, it's good that you, yeah, anyways. Um, that being said, um, we, we need to fall in love with God. But that being said, we really do need to open our eyes to the spiritual power that we've been given. And that the presence of Jesus, Jesus, Oh, I need more water. Okay, normally I'd have nine pages on a message like this, and I have 14 pages tonight, so I'm doing my best to get through everything. The presence of Jesus torments demons. Mark chapter nine says, when the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy that it was possessing into a convulsion. So the demon freaked out, and the spirit shrieked and convulsed him violently and came out. And my parents, as kids, they always taught us that whenever we were feeling dark or um, unsure of something, just to pray in tongues out loud. And sorry to get a little Pentecostal on you tonight, um, but we do believe in that at this church. The Pentecostals don't just get it for themselves, okay? We all do. Um, but uh, though they're good people, they can't take that. And it's not just theirs. Um, but my, my parents always encouraged us in that sense because we, not, we might not exactly know what we're dealing with, but the presence of Jesus torments demons. And so when we speak in tongues, they would teach us that it's like their ears couldn't handle it. Like it's like a chalkboard, like, ah, I, I gotta get out of here. That we might not know what that demon's trying to do, or what kind of demon they are, or whatever, or, or that there's just the darkness. But when we speak in tongues, it's a perfect heavenly language where we bring the presence of God into that room and we torment any dark thing in that moment. Prayer is a powerful weapon in spiritual warfare. Mark chapter nine, I'll finish um, their, their uh, they couldn't cast the demon out of the boy, um, the, the disciples. And so Jesus, then the demon starts freaking out. I kind of gave you a teaser of it earlier. Um, and, it, and it came out of him. And so then the, the dad is like, or the disciples are like, hey, we just tried that. You told us we had this power. Why couldn't we drive him out? And, and Jesus tells them, this kind can only come out by prayer. So it's important to note how important prayer is. That you can fight demons without prayer. Okay, you just have to have the right wand. Um, I'm bringing it back to Harry Potter, just joking, guys. Um, no, joking. You can fight demons um, without prayer, 
But this specific one can only come out by prayer. So I figure, why not just pray for everything? Then you got it covered. Um, the disciples, and so, yeah, we can, uh, I'll get to that later. The disciples, um, yeah. So the devil, the devil is serious, and, and C.S. Lewis talks about this in the book a little bit, but the devil is serious about you not having a prayer life. Because whenever there's prayer, there's action on God's part. Okay, God, he's not listening to your Twitter feed, sorry. He doesn't, he's not looking at your Instagram stories, okay? He's not like, yes, girl, you dance to that song, I will answer your prayers. Um, that's TikTok, but it, uh, anyways. Um, but that's why the devil's serious about you not having a prayer life. And he'll be happy with you being lazy. That works for him. If you're just lazy, you just forget. That, that's fine. That works for him. He just doesn't want you to have one at all. And so it, it doesn't mean you have to be this like spiritual person that like, yes, I'm going to get up in the middle of the night and just figure this out. You can literally be the most unspiritual person. Just put reminders in your phone. That's what I do. And it feels like, it's like it kind of seems dumb, but it's like, no, I, I want to be spiritual. I want to pray. And it's not being, it's not built into me. I'm not one of those prayer warriors who's just praying all the time. And so I have to put reminders in my phone, as silly as that sounds. But it's important to have that prayer life and it's worth it. Prayer is our time to get vulnerable with God. It's when we are praying, we're praying to the person who made us. That's part of why it's so powerful is we're, we're talking to the person who made us and we're not trying to force some kind of feeling during prayer. Um, it's a time to really open up with God about exactly what's going on. I love that Jesus, he addressed, he, did, he didn't just pray. He also addressed that, that demon directly. And, and so he, he this, this is a different story. Oh no, it's the same one. I can't remember which one this is, but he, he just sternly says, come out of him and the impure spirit will shake. Oh yeah, this is a different one. He shakes the man violently and the spirit comes out of him. He, he just directly says, get out of there. Get out of there. Get out of there. You can't, what are you doing? We can ask God, um, but we also need to speak directly to the issue at, at times. But you don't always have to call it what it is, especially if you're unsure of what it is. I want, this is important to catch tonight because we can do trauma and harm to people by walking around and they, they tell us their problem and they're like, you got a demon. I'm just gonna cast your demon out. No, I don't have a demon. I, I, and, and, and so it's important um, that when you're praying for people, I would suggest just to rebuke demonic oppression. And so you don't have to say exactly what it is, and, but you, you and, and sometimes you will. You know, sometimes you'll know. But I would say for the most part, we, we're not gonna know. And so we just rebuke demonic oppression. If that's, if that's going on, which it always is, we're gonna rebuke that and not allow it and pray over people. Okay, Luke chapter 13. All right, we're getting there. Luke chapter 13. Um, Jesus is teaching one of the in one of the synagogues. And as he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, a woman was there who's been, who'd been disabled by a spirit for over 18 years. So this woman's had this spirit um, in her for over 18 years. She was bent over and she couldn't straighten up at all. When Jesus saw her, he called out to her, woman, you are free of your disability. He laid hands on her and instantly she was restored and began, excuse me, began to glorify God. Notice that it wasn't his teaching that healed her, but the teaching brought her in. And so this is important to know, especially if you're new to our church, that this is the way we posture our church, that we got to preach the word of God to draw people in. That we're, we're going to do our best to not just preach about some random issue on the left or the right or whatever. We're just going to try and preach the word of God as much as we, and we will make mistakes in that, but we're going to just try and keep our eyes on Jesus and focus on him and preach the word of God because it's so important to draw people in. Here's a woman who's been, had, had a spirit messing her up for 18 years. And the preaching drew her in. And when people who are far from God, stop coming to our church, we've made a massive mistake. If someone comes into our church looking lost and confused, could you just do me a favor and do God a favor and, and just help them? Anytime you see a lost or lonely person in our church, you just be their friend, even if you, know, you don't want to. 
It's important for us as, as believers to ensure that our church is a place that people who are far from God feel comfortable and welcomed in. That this church, it exists for you as a believer to help you find community, encouragement, training, correction, a place to, to call home. This is a place to belong. It, it does exist for you, but we want more of you as well. That, that God loves that lost sheep. And, and, and that's, that's our job as, as, as believers is to not just say, yes, I found what I'm looking for here and take care of me. But also I wanna make sure that people come in. I'm gonna take care of them too. This week, I, I, I went to a facility for the first time. Actually, it was last week. I don't wanna lie in the pulpit. Sorry, Lord. Um, <laughs> uh, but it was uh, last week I went to this facility I'd never been in before. And I told the person at the front, I'm, I'm here to see this person. And they're like, okay. And they like buzz me in. A little gate opens. I walk in. I have no idea where I'm going. And they, did, they weren't helpful at all. I was just like, hey, I'm here. I was a little bit lost, like some people um, who come into our church. And they weren't helpful at all. But luckily, a member of the building I was in was like, hey, you look a little bit lost. How, how, you know, how can I help you? I'm like, I'm here to see this person. They're like, oh my gosh, I know where they are. Let me take you there. And she helped me. She kind of showed me the stairs, where to get down to him. And it was beautiful, wonderful thing. But the important thing to note that it, it, I'll, I don't think I'll ever forget that person. Because the person at the front who was supposed to help me, this is what always happens, they were too busy doing too many other things. She was trying to help all these other people. She couldn't help the new person. But there was somebody inside that felt at home, that knew where everything was, they made me feel welcome in that place. That's a powerful thing. Let's be that for people who come to our church as well. Amen. All right. I promise you we're going to finish this message. You can get home on time and you can eat some crackers before bed. Okay. Community builds an army. We don't need a lot of friends, but we need the right ones. You are so important and God has specific plans for you. We need you in the, kingdom of God, in the kingdom of God. And one thing that uh, we, happens to us is when we struggle, we need to have the right people to turn to in our suffering. And often, oftentimes we fail because we're just not transparent with anyone. The reality of it is, is even the people who think we're being transparent with them, with, that we're, we, we would say that, oh, I'm so transparent with them. We're truly not transparent with those people. But we need those believers to build each other up. And often what I've seen is that I love Jesus, but I don't want to be uncomfortable. I love God, but I don't want to be uncomfortable for him. We need people around us who love God and love us. And that we can be uncomfortable with. Acts chapter 5, 3 to 4 says, Then Peter said, Ananias how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you've lied to the Holy Spirit? Do you have somebody in your, in your life that talks to you like that? We need people in our, in our lives that say, how is it that you, Satan was allowed to fill your heart? Get somebody in your life like that. Because when it comes to fighting demons, we need to be confident. Okay, we need to be confident that we've allowed people in. But we also, like I mentioned earlier, we need to be careful. Because mental illness... And demonic oppression are very different things. And if we cannot differentiate, we will cause more trauma in people's lives. And so many people have. And, and, and someone could be bipolar and telling them that they just have a demon that needs to be cast out would be awful. That their, their treatment cannot be substituted with prayer. That they actually need treatment. And, and so often, we just want to give them prayer. But someone can also be bipolar and possessed. And so we need to be careful there too, to be discerning. That we, we want to pray for people, but we want to be their community to help them move past that and potentially help them get treatment as well. This is why we need to be very careful about diagnosis when we're praying over people. That I would say that it's not a place that we want to get ourselves into as much as possible because you can do harm with people with misdiagnosis. You want to bring other people into that. You want to you know, talk through that quite a bit. You want to do your research because we don't want to do harm, more harm to people. We want to do our absolute best to not cause trauma. 
to love and care for people in our community as we help each other draw near to Jesus. And if you read through Paul's work, it becomes very clear very quickly that he sees a very high value on unity in the church. We need unity. We need unity with each other. We love each other. We take care of each other. But we also need unity with all the other churches in our city and in our country and in the world. Even though we might not agree with every other church's methods or doctrines, we need unity as one large community of believers. You are important in the world because you are a billboard of Satan's defeat. And it's important to have unity among every church. We don't slam other churches. We don't talk bad, even if we don't believe in the way they do things. And, and even, even when they're messing up, hey, we wanna, we'll, we'll care for people that are leaving because the church is messing up, but we're not gonna talk trash about them. Because every church sign is a billboard to the devil that says, you lost. My son and I have this game we play. My son's very competitive, and we have this game we play on the way to school. And I don't know, we just kind of made it up one day, but every white car that we pass is like our enemy. And so every time we, we pass a white car, we call him a loser. <laughs> I don't know where it came from. I don't, and, and, and we're always like, oh, look at that loser. We passed him, we passed him. I don't know, we just do it. It's fun. It gets him excited on the way to school that he's passing all these losers and, and we're, we're, gonna, we're gonna win and we're gonna get to school before anyone else. Um, and I just think that that's, when we pass churches, it should be a reminder that the devil's a loser. That any, any demon that's trying to get into our lives and oppress us and mess with our friends or whatever, every church is a reminder, is a billboard to him. You're a freaking loser, man. That people gather in buildings knowing you're a loser and going and undoing the work that you're trying to do in people's lives. And that's my mission. That's our mission. That when we leave this place, we go and undo the work and the lies of the enemy that are in people's lives in our life. That, that, man, when we come in, when we hear people speaking lies about themselves, we actually just say, you know what? Here's what I see about you. We allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us. They don't even know it's the Holy Spirit, but we can still speak as the Holy Spirit saying, no, this is what I see in you and undoing lies that people believe about themselves. So it should make you angry when churches close and fail. Unfortunately, people are celebrating that right now. We should celebrate other churches winning. And when other churches fail, it should break our hearts. And yeah, sometimes we mess up. We don't always get it right. But we're gonna just believe that the work that God still did, um, that God did is, is still gonna continue. Okay, I'm getting behind because I got off the notes. Holiness is another way that we fight the demonic. If unrepented sin is an open door to the demonic, then holiness closes that door. Imagine your life like a hallway and every room is an opportunity for the enemy. And uh, you know why I went so long? Because uh, um, I'll, I'll blame Lindsay. Lindsay, <laughs> where are you? Uh, I was supposed to invite her up. It's actually not her fault. Uh, I, said, I said, don't send Lindsay up. I'm gonna go long. Uh, I'll, I'll invite her up. But Lindsay, come on. You were supposed to be here. Uh, we went five minutes over. Okay. Holiness closes the door to the enemy. Your life is like a hallway and every room is an opportunity for the enemy, every open door for the enemy to come into that hallway. What we wanna do is keep our eyes fixed on Jesus and have a desire to have a pure heart, to be innocent and say, I want that door closed. I want that door closed. Listen, God's grace is awesome. It's amazing. It covers all of our sin, but we want holiness because we wanna be near the Father. We don't want that junk in our lives. So we're gonna close those doors, close the doors. And God will give us grace when we mess up, but we still wanna close those doors, close those doors, close those doors. We wanna be intimate with Jesus and not give the devil any kind of foothold or stronghold in our life. We're responsible for getting Jesus to the center of our faith. And often we get ourselves at the center, but we're responsible to get Jesus at the center. There's nothing like intimacy with God. I wanna pray for um, a few specific areas tonight. If you uh, 
are feeling like you have more questions than answers, that's okay. Uh, that's how I felt too. That's how I still feel. Um, that this is a, a, a big world that there's no chance we're going to solve all of these problems. But I just, tonight, my goal was just to maybe open your eyes to the way the enemy's trying to sneak into your life or people around your life. And, and maybe we can realize the power we have to help each other out and go help other people out as well too. So I would just, I'm going to ask you to stand. Um, standing is important because, um, and, and, just to maybe explain, if you are new here, I'm so sorry you came tonight where I'm talking about demons. It's probably not the best night for that. But um, standing, and, and maybe you see people putting their hands up in worship and, and, uh, and, and whatever. What our bodies do affects our souls. And so... Um, our posture in prayer is important. Now, we're not always going to be able to have certain postures because we're driving and we can't close our eyes and lay down on the floor of our car and that would be a mess. But um, what our bodies do affects our souls. And so this is why you'll see people on their knees sometimes in worship. Um, and it's, it's, it's important that we, if we do things like this, we're doing it from a, a place of um, genuineness with God and authenticity, not just because we see somebody else do it. So. Yeah. Oh, that's a good idea. But, um, but, but it, it's a, that when we get on our knees, it's because we're like, God, I need your help with something. And I need you to intervene here. And I'm humbling myself saying, I can't do this on my own. This is part of raising our hands too. It's not just to keep our hands off of our phone. It's also that we say, God, my problems, my situations, I'm giving them to you right now. And I need you to, it does something in our souls. I need you to come in. I need you to be a part of this. And so we, I'll just ask you guys to sing that. My freedom, your stripes are my heat. And then we're going to pray in a moment. All praise, King Jesus. Glory to God in heaven, your cross. And as we sing, maybe God's revealed something to you. I'll just ask that you just be open right now. And just have some time with Him. Focus on Him. Say, God, have your way. Reveal yourself to me right now. Holy Spirit, come. Your stripes are my healing. Oh, praise King Jesus. Let's just worship him, come on. pray for a few things tonight. I'm just going to ask, you know, even if you're not engaged in this prayer, would you just close your eyes just to respect those around you? I don't know where you're at with God. 
Maybe you fully don't believe in him. I'm just asking you to close your eyes as, as something just to do for respect of the, of the humans around you. But I just think that God has revealed himself to us in some ways that maybe um, we've, just, we've just maybe left some doors open in the hallway. And um, maybe he's revealed some more to us than that. Uh, but we're not gonna get into that. I'm just gonna say that maybe we've just left some doors open in the hallway. And so... Um, if we could all bow our heads, close our eyes, no one looking around whatsoever, because I want this to be a time between you and God. Um, I'm going to ask if, if uh, you'd lift your hand. Again, this is about um, the position of your body and what that does to your soul. And how our, what our bodies does affects our souls. And, and we want... We want to just open our souls to him tonight and say, God, come have your way. I want to pray over, first off, if, if anyone is, heads bowed, eyes closed, if anyone's struggling with temptation, would you lift your hand right now? Temptation of any area, just lift your hand right now. I'm going to pray for you. We're just going to believe that God's going to free you tonight. Awesome. Thank you, God. God, thank you for your people just honestly coming before you. I pray right now that your spirit would fill them, that your love would fill them. Holy Spirit, I, I just pray right now, I just feel like people are having a, their, a performance thing going on where every time they give into temptation, the, the next day becomes all about performance and leaves them exhausted and then they fall into temptation again and it's a nasty cycle. God, would you free them from that right now? Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name, by your blood, would you free them right now and let them know that it is not about how they perform for you, but it's about we want to come close to you, Lord God. So would you help us? God, would you give us the right people? Would you show us who we need to talk to, what we need to put in our lives to deal with this temptation right now? If it's a spirit that's gotten into us, would you, God, would you free us? Would you free people of that spirit right now? Holy Spirit, right now, just free people of that spirit, of that temptation, Lord God. Would it come out of them now, Lord God, that they would be, from now on, things would be different and that they would invite people into that walk. You can put your hand down if you're dealing with temptation. Thank you for that. If any, anything I pray over tonight, if, if, if you are struggling with it or you've, you want a prayer for it, I would encourage you, tell someone that you deeply trust, that you really know, who's a mature believer. Tell them what you're dealing with so that you invite, this is what community is all about. You invite them into that battle, not because they have to be your savior. savior. You're inviting someone in to be your partner. Jesus is your savior, but it's important that we don't struggle alone, that we have people, that Jesus didn't even do ministry alone, that he, he, he even had the three uh, that were real close to him, that he didn't just have his big group of disciples. He also had three that were really close to him, that were with him in the garden that night when he was struggling, when he was, when he was sweating drops of blood. You need people like that in your life that are going to be close to you. So I, if there's people here dealing with fear, and when I talked about fear at the start of the message, you were like, oh, that's me. And you've been so focused on your fear. It, it's almost made you, the word I'm getting is, it's almost made you narcissistic because you're so afraid that you're so focused on your fears that you actually don't even have the energy to be generous or to think about what other people need because you're so focused on fear. I wanna pray for you tonight. You can just lift your hand with nobody looking around, people dealing with fear, nobody looking around. Awesome. God, would you free these people? Thank you, Lord God, that it is, it is not your desire that they, would be, that they would be stuck in fear. Devil, you have no place in their life. Fear must go. Thank you, God, that these people are having a moment right now where we are just deciding, we are taking back control and almost breaking the block of ice of fear that's been around us. We are smashing that right now and deciding I'm no longer stuck in fear. I refuse to be frozen. I am moving forward now and not allowing fear to hold me back anymore. God, thank you right now that you're setting them free right now, but also, Lord God, that they're going to take steps tomorrow to go and, and, and face these fears head on and remove this fear from their life 
for once and for all. I thank you that when the fear comes back, Lord, that they will deal with that fear. When it comes circling back, almost walking around the block, they can, they can feel it coming back. I, I just thank you, Lord God. They're going to give it to you and they're going to take steps to remove that fear from their life in Jesus' name. Okay, I'm going to uh, pray for one, two more categories. No, three. I'm going to pray for if you're dealing with mental illness or sickness, physical sickness of some kind, and tonight you felt like you've done everything, like you've exhausted the options and nothing works, and tonight you're like, I think there's some form of demonic oppression happening, and you're just going to ask God to come in right now and just remove it. We're going to speak to it, and actually what I'm going to get you to do is I'm going to get you to voice it. And right now, you just speak to it. You don't have to speak loud, just under your breath, whatever, even just, just speak to whatever it is that you're dealing with right now. Just speak to it right now. Say, you have to go. You're done. No more. No more mental illness. No more depression. No more sickness. No more pain. I, just, I feel like somebody's having a, a constant upset stomach and you've had allergy tests and you've had all sorts of things happening and, and God's revealing to you that something has gotten in somewhere along the line and you're even starting to feel shame for it right now. God, would you remove that shame right now and, and we speak to whatever that is, that upset stomach, that it would be healed in Jesus' name. God, thank you for your healing power that just as you put your hand on that woman, would you put your hand on this person right now and remove that upset that stomach right here in this service, Lord God. When we just speak to it, we command it to go in Jesus' name. They've tried everything possible and now we're saying, in Jesus' name, upset stomach, you must leave. God, I pray for everyone who's dealing with, hands up right now if you're dealing with mental illness or sickness. I pray for all these people right now, Lord God. I pray, I thank you that you're setting them free. God, I, I just believe that there's people in the room right now and, and they just do not have the faith that as they hear the word preached, their faith wasn't built. And I just pray right now that they, as they put their hand up in kind of a lazy fashion, God, would you build their faith right now? Would they step out and say, I believe. You know, it's that by your faith, the word said, it's by your faith. And, and, and we just thank you that as that song says, by his stripes, you are healed. He was whipped one, one lash away from death so that you could be healed. That's the specific reason he was whipped. And in Jesus' name, you will be healed. In Jesus' name, right now, heal them, Lord God. Take it away from them, Jesus. Okay, we're going to pray for two more things. Someone with dreams, and then we're going to go home. People dealing with some kind of dark dream, just like my wife Jess had. Um, some kind of dark dream to a point where uh, there's definitely someone who's on sleeping pills, not that there's anything wrong with that if you really need those, but you're kind of done with relying on them and you'd like to sleep on your own. Um, I, I, I'm believing that tonight you're going to get healed of that and that God's going to set you free. And again, not that there's anything wrong with the pills. You just don't need them anymore. Um, and we're going to deal with the dreams right now in Jesus' name. God, thank you. If you're dealing with dreams, go ahead, put your hand up. Say, I'm declaring this tonight. God, we declare that these dreams must go. These people don't need pills. They don't need a better mattress. They don't need a $200 pillow. They need you in Jesus' name to deal with these dreams, Lord God. We, we, we just thank you right now that whatever it is, God, would you reveal it to them? Would you pull it out of their life tonight, God? I, I, I'm believing that it, there's right now, there's somebody who it's your social media that is the link. It's something that you follow on social media that's the link to your bad dreams. And so right now, you might just need to deal with all your social medias uh, or you, unless you ask God to give you a word of knowledge about what it is. But there's something in your social media that you're viewing that you think is innocent, but it's actually what's creating these bad dreams. And so we're just gonna say, say right now, God, would you be with them? Would you guide them? Uh, and, and that these bad dreams must go in Jesus' name. We just thank you for peace in our lives, peace in our homes, Lord God. We speak to these things right now that they must go, they must be gone in Jesus' name. These people are gonna have peaceful dreams in the name of Jesus. And the last thing I wanna pray for is holiness, just for all of us. Because holiness isn't just about not looking uh, at 
stuff on the internet or not looking at a, a man or a woman a, a certain way. Holiness is, is about getting the soil of our heart right. It's about us um, just having an innocence before God. And uh, we're just gonna, God, I, I, I just all of us right now, we come to you, God, that we wanna be pure in heart. We wanna be holy, Lord God. Just God, would you reveal to us the ways that we have wandered off the ways that we've got it wrong, the ways that we've um, just been so naive to the stuff that we've allowed into our lives. God, would you cleanse us right now? We want to be innocent before you. And we thank you that we are. We are free from our sins, Lord God. And we, we thank you that you've, your blood has paid for all of that. But God, we, we just have a, a new desire to, to not rely just on your grace, but actually to become holy. And not that that would make us self-righteous, but that we wanna be holy before you. Just, it's, it's all about closing those doors and keeping you at the center of our life, not whatever's been in those rooms. God, would you reveal to us what doors we need to close? In Jesus' name, amen.